0: Welcome to War Room, the official podcast of the U.S. Army War College online journal, graciously supported by the Army War College Foundation. Please join the conversation at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. We hope you enjoy the program. Welcome to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast, and to the second part of our interview with retired Army Colonel Art Lickey, War Room Editor-in-Chief Jacqueline Witt, and the Chair of the Department of National Security and Strategy, Mark Duckenfeld. Licky, a former instructor at the U.S. Army War College, is the creator of the three-legged stool model that incorporates ends, ways, and means as the foundational elements of strategy. In our previous episode, Art explained his inspiration for the model and just how it came to be central to modern-day conversations about national security. We'll continue the conversation in this episode with Mark explaining how the stool is still prevalent in the Army War College.
1: Our students now, many of them... um um, many of them have given their um, faculty members as a gift, a three-legged stool. I go around the department visiting offices and I see lots of, of uneven three-legged stools um, as <laughs> gifts from the <laughs> seminars to their uh, faculty members. So I, I don't think there's a War College student who graduates without being uh, aware of the of the three-legged stool. Um, and uh, in this regard, though, it serves as a leaping off point in our class for discussions. And there's been some criticism of the stool model in terms of thinking about uh, strategy. Um, uh, um, How might you respond to people who say that it's it's just not a good model or it's not a useful model? I'm, I'm sure you've seen this over
2: the years. Yes, I've had some criticism and so forth, but It doesn't really bother me at all because I talked back to them and said, hey, look, it can't be all that bad. It's been used by the Army War College now for, oh, about almost 40 years, and it was useful to the Senate Armed Services Committee and so forth. And then I say to them, this was never meant to be the be-all and the end-all. Let's remember this title of my little four-page magnum opus, it turned out to be, on the three-legged stool and strategy. It was entitled, Toward an Understanding of Military Strategy. So if you want to join the crowd and come on in and let's try to make it better, that's fine. But I see no problem with it right now. It's being in use and it's useful and the students remember it.
3: So if you were to talk to our Army War College students today, uh, lieutenant colonels and colonels, um, civilians and international students, uh, what would be the things that you would want them to think about or to remember? Um, what do you think is maybe most important for them?
2: I'm laughing now because I would want them to be just exactly who they are. They're a bunch of... I am amazed at the ability of War College students. They can do anything and everything that you ask, and the faculty must remember that and push them and demand the best. Now, for instance, that little stool being around, okay, I love the humor of the Army War College students. One day in one of my very best seminars, I walked on in, and a student got up very formally, and said, sir, we would like to make a presentation to you. And I said, that would be wonderful. And he started talking, making a wonderful speech, and then he said, we have found an emblem here that just demonstrates your ability and your background in the stool and so forth. And he opened up a kind of a big box, and in the box was a little beautiful little three-legged stool, which I still have today. And I looked at it carefully and then realized there were three legs, of course, and the top of the stool had been cut in half. So that was there was not a full circle. there was a semicircle, okay? It was found, I think, in a florist shop, some way for decorating with flowers and so forth and so on. But, of course, it hit me right away what they were doing. And I said to them, well, I wonder what kind of a strategist would use a stool shaped like this. And they started to giggle, so I knew I was onto something. So I said, you're giving me this? because you realize that I am a half-assed strategist <laughs> and they just roared because I, I I got it, I got it that's what that was what they were trying to prove. so but I love the spirit of the war college students and they'll do anything that you ask them but to the faculty make them do it make them understand that this is not just a year of Reflection and being with your family and having fun and so forth. This is a year of preparation for the fe- senior leadership of the Army for years to come. And you got to push them. You have to, you have to demand that they think. I had a wonderful experience. I just came to the War College, and there was a faculty member leaving after three years who I had known before. A wonderful, he was he became a four-star general. And he said, Art, right, I want to tell you something. He said, The War College and the students are not interested in what you think. You've got to get after the students and find out what they think. And if they're not thinking, you've got to make them think. So that and he said, there is a problem here. With some instructors who have been in other institutions and teaching and so forth, they tend to lecture to the students again and again and again for most of the period. He says, that's not what we need. You've got to get the War College students to think. So, oh, I would go after that every time. What are you thinking about? And I would tell them, you can do a better job than the Pentagon. And they'd say, why? How come? Come. And we discussed it. Why they can? Because there's no inter-service rivalry here. We're a member of the team, and you've got to be a team member.
3: I think that's such an interesting um, way to think about it, Because, and I'm struck by how similar our discussions are uh, amongst the faculty right now about asking students uh, to think critically, to think carefully, to think through problems. Uh, that, that it's, not, right, it's not a year off, there's plenty of time, Carlisle's a lovely place, um, but that it's a really important year for their professional development. What would you ask students to, to do during their year here, to think hard, what else?
2: Well, of course, now, General DeWitt Smith, who was my first Commandant to work for way back in 19, 1976, the 200th birthday of our country, wonderful man, who was a commandant for a while and then left to be the Army Desper, and then came on back after one year as a three-star general. He was a wonderful man, and he kept on saying, you've got to have the right atmosphere here for, for taking care of your family, meeting your family again, getting on with them, but also thinking, and you've got to push them. Well, for instance, if we were having a sequence of problems and working sessions on strategy. I would pull out, is there, a, is there still a little blue book that's the National Military Strategy or something like that? That's, that's derived in the Pentagon. And I'd say, I want you to come, you, you are going to do a better job <laughs> than this right here. And they'd kind of gasp, you know, and say, why? You know, how can we do that, you know? I said, because there's no inter-service rivalry. We're all a member of a team here. Mm -hmm. And think of the teamwork that we have. This is not known widely, I think, that it's not just Army at the Army War College. We have Navy personnel, Air Force personnel, civilian personnel from the government, and the wonderful addition in 1978— of a new program called the International Fellows Program. St- we started off with six students, and it's now grown. I believe Mark isn't it up to around eighty or something oh, 80, like seventy-eight, almost eighty. Yeah, right. And that's a fantastic program. Think what we're doing. We're build- building friendships to all of those future generals and leaders of their country. It's a tremendous idea, and. Uh, so we have to keep on working here. We have, but I keep on urging the faculty: you got to push them. You have to demand the best. Now, may I just say this too: as a, as far as teaching the students and so forth, I don't think it's necessary to be with them all of the time. Like while they, when they're given a problem, it's not necessary to monitor it every second of every day. You don't
3: have to look over their shoulder the whole time.
2: Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I really mean that because nobody really wants to have their rating officer watching them all the time, right? <laughs> and that's what they have here oftentimes. So I would oftentimes say to my students, here's what we're going to do. I want you to come up with the best strategic thought in a lecture of about 15, 20 minutes in two days. And I want you to be able to do a better job than is produced in the Pentagon. And if you have any questions at all, I can always be reached in my office, telephone number, so forth and so on. But when you do that, you have to make crystal clear exactly what you want and exactly what you expect And guess what? They will do it when pushed or asked or coerced or begged to do yeah. it.
3: They will do it. I'm pretty constantly amazed at the work that our students can produce when they when they put their minds to it and when they're asked to do hard things. And
2: exactly, you are right. They I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's wonderful.
3: And I really like the idea of asking them to do a better job than the Pentagon as the standard. Um, that that's a that that's an instruction that we could we could give them. I think I'll adopt that.
2: Hey, wonderful, because well at first they will not I will not believe it. And then I'll say, let's have a little gab session right here. Let's think it out. What are the problems in the Pentagon? Because I've been there and had the fights with the other staff and so forth. And uh, after one all-night session of action officers meeting, the word went out from the other services, please don't send Licky down as an <laughs> action officer for the Army.
3: We'll be, there, we'll be there all night, was that the... Uh, <laughs> That's uh, for sure, <laughs> right. Very good. Now, earlier on, you mentioned that you really enjoyed Sun Tzu, uh, or Sun Tzu um, as, a, as a strategist. Are there other strategists or thinkers that you really remember and enjoyed uh, teaching about or learning more about while you were here?
2: Sure. I, um, there was a Brit, B.H. Liddell Hart, I think was his name, and he was very helpful Clausewitz, of course. Now, I should mention one of the international fellows from Germany came here, oh, 15, 20 years ago, and he asked me to come back to Germany and give a lecture. I said, of course I will. What is the group I'll be talking with? And he says, the Clausewitz Association, (laughs) which was kind of—because I have not been a big fan of Clausewitz. I was quoted in the Washington Post one day when they had it, a person came up and talked to the faculty about Clausewitz and strategy. And I said, there are an awful lot of Clausewitz nuts around here who think he is the be-all and end-all, and he's not. He's worthwhile to, to study and so forth, but he's not the greatest of all time. And there I was going to speak before the Clausewitz Association,
3: and I so did. close to heresy in some, in some circles to say that Clausewitz isn't the, isn't the greatest of all time. Oh, that's for sure, that's for <laughs> sure.
2: So I went there. And a very helpful general helped me get my slides in order in their machine, which is different than ours, but I got it all set on up, and I spoke to them and gave them my pitch in English, of course, and they, they were taking notes and so forth and so on. It was, I thought it went over pretty good. And then I was surprised at the end of the conference when a general got up and he was reviewing the conference and was mentioning the different lectures and so forth. And then he said something, and then on the second day, we were fortunate to have Colonel Licky from the Army War College come and speak about strategy. And there was a thunderous amount of noise. Everybody was banging on the tables. I didn't know that was a good thing. <laughs> I thought it was that they were angry with me or something like that. but. I was told later on, no, that's an expression of goodwill and happiness and thankfulness for coming over here. So even though I've not been an, uh, the most ardent Clausewitz fan in the world, it was a wonderful experience and they treated me with great respect and great honor.
3: That's, that's fantastic. Mark, anything else? Uh,
1: you've talked about challenging students, but I was wondering as a faculty member what sort of... Um ideas or concepts did you find difficult to teach, to challenge students with?
2: I really didn't find any difficult difficulty with the students. They were wonderful, as long as they were challenged and they knew that you were in their best interest. Well, may I just say a quick word there? It's so important to get to know your students. There used to be a little pamphlet. It was called the biographical sketches do you still have those they're on the
3: they're on the computer now okay. but we still have yeah we still have biographies for the oh, students oh
2: i think when you get a copy of that thing and you see the 15 20 students that you're going to be having you've got to study that in great detail and memorize almost everything you've got to know your students what their strong points are, where they've been, where they've been stationed before, what jobs they had. And I always tried to have one interesting subject from their background that I could question them on to have something Mm -hmm. to talk about with them. So it showed that I was interested in them as people. Oh, may I just say one other quick subject came to mind here you're trying to build them as a team. If you played football in high school, you know there might be a star quarterback or a running back halfback, but even you as an insignificant lineman (laughs) have an important job along the way, and it's a team effort. And if you get that across, everybody's got to be a team member here. I was helped out tremendously one year by a female in the class. And... She put her hand up one day to study. Now, this was a very good, this was a darn sharp seminar group. And they had strong points and weak points as far as individuals. But this one day, she raised her hand and said, May I please make a statement to Bob, who was another student, a male student, who was very sharp, but kind of on the quiet side, okay? Didn't do all that much speaking, but a wonderful student, So, this young lady, who became a bird colonel while she was at the War College, and she said, Bob, I want to talk to you directly here. Every time you open your mouth and speak, I learn something. And I'm asking you fervently, please speak more often, because I want to learn, and you are a fantastic teacher. So please speak more. How could I get a better help than that?
3: Right. I think can. that's a conversation we have with lots of our quiet, uh, introverted students, is you have things to say and we would like to hear from you.
2: And guess what? Bob started talking mm-hmm. more often. And
3: when it's students who help each other understand that rather than just from faculty, I think it's yeah. really important.
2: And guess what? That young lady became G2 of the whole U.S. Mm-hmm. Army later on. Wonderful lady.
3: So, lots to learn from everyone who's at the table. Oh gosh, yeah. All right, I'm going to ask you one more question that we didn't that we didn't plan for. But you have you've lived in Carlisle for a long time. Um, are there things about the town or secret spots or things that you enjoy um, that you think our students or our faculty here should take advantage of?
2: Okay, this goes way back. At first, when I was here, if you wanted to get out information to your students, the best way to do it was to make 16 copies. Mm-hmm. Still, maybe the best of way of to get paper, information out. And, to then, and then fold them into small pieces so you could go down to the mail room and stuff them into mm-hmm. each individual mailbox. That was the fastest way and then along came something called a computer and so forth and so on and although i wasn't the first one to use it i did realize that was a fantastic opportunity for fast communication so i started something that was fun for me maybe for my students too it was I had been here living for quite some time, and I wanted to let them know the highlights of the best restaurants. Or, or for instance, there was a wonderful area that used to be for a flea market, a large flea market. And I would put out a little note at least once a week. Why don't you try this? You know, go to this restaurant. They're having a special this week. Mm-hmm. Or why don't you try, if you want to look at, for odds and ends, take a look at the flea market up the road, you know, and so forth and so on. So it's a wonderful opportunity to try to get closer to your students. And uh, you've got to build teamwork. You, they have to be a member of the team. And if you show that you're making an effort, they'll make an effort.
3: I think that's great advice.
1: I just have uh, one final question um, for you. Um, Massey's or Leo's? Pardon me again? Massey's or Leo's? Which do you prefer?
2: My home was just off of the football field of Dickinson College in the 700 block of West South Street, which was about a block and a half or two blocks from Massey's. Massey's frozen custards is to die for. <laughs> it's
3: just. So for those for those of you who aren't local, Massey's is a frozen custard place in Carlisle and Leo's is ice cream and they're very close together and people have very, very strong opinions <laughs> right. about which one they prefer. Right. And so we have art who is weighed in on the side of Massey's, I believe is that your, is that one of your favorite places? In oh, town? absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good. If you're in in the area, uh, you should take a visit. Well, Art, I'm going to wrap up our podcast, uh, today. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Um, I've learned a lot about the history of the army war college, about the way things used to be. Um, and also the way things have changed, but in many ways I'm struck by how many things are still the same. Uh, the, the things I learn from my students, the things my students learn from each other, uh, the importance of the seminar and building the team that we have here in Carlisle, and the idea of what the Army War College is really supposed to be for this year for our students. So thank you so much for taking the time this afternoon to sit down with, uh, with Mark and with me, and uh, we hope you have an enjoyable uh, rest of the day and a happy, happy fall.
2: May I just say it has been Please. an extremely wonderful pleasure for me to do this, and I thank you for letting me do that.
3: Oh, it's it's absolutely my pleasure, and we'll get this all edited and and put out for the world, and then we can keep propagating the uh, the three-legged stool and the, the wonders of the Army War College. All right, so this is Jackie Witt. I'm signing off uh, for us at War Room. We'll hope you'll join us next time.
0: If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear even more great content, subscribe to A Better Piece, the War Room Podcast, at iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite subscription service. And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense. Let us know what you think. Provide us your feedback, comments, or suggestions through our webpage at warroom.com. armywarcollege.edu, and have a great day.